isn't isn't one of the truths about all freelancers that they work home in their pants? I didn't think you'd be wearing anything like that. <laughs> Aware that this is being recorded, I'm choosing my words very carefully. No, I'm choosing a t-shirt. This is No More Water Cooler, a podcast from Leapers. Each week, we aim to have an honest, open and frank conversation with a freelancer about their work and their mental health to understand the reality of modern work. We're not going to be hearing stories about bootstrapping to billion-dollar valuations. We won't be talking about how we're crushing it. We certainly won't be pretending that everything is okay all of the time. I'm Matthew Knight, founder of Leapers, a community which supports the mental health of freelancers and anyone who works differently. And each week, we'll be chatting with one of our members to ask the simple question, how are you? And exploring their answer. This week, we chat with Adrian Cockle about redundancy as a reason for freelancing, the importance of building up a network. And of course, we start by asking, Adrian, how are you? Hi, I'm Adrian Cockle. I'm a digital strategist. I've been doing digital since the early days of the web in 1995. Um, I joke I used to do the web when it was black and white. So uh, I have been working through uh, throughout my career for a number of organisations and some pretty high-profile brands. Most notably, I spent nine years as the head of digital for WWF, the, the World Wildlife Fund. Uh, since leaving there about four years ago, uh, I've been both freelance and gone back in-house at Hootsuite and I've been freelancing now since uh, May, uh, after I was made redundant. Going freelance again was a, a real kind of um, easy decision to make. I'm going to ask a little bit about that, Adrian, because a lot of people often see freelance as an active decision, that they're going to change the way that they work, but this was triggered by a redundancy. Was, was freelancing something which you actively would be considering regardless? Uh, it's a really interesting question because I'd, I'd been at WWF nine years when I left to go freelance. You know, not nine years in, in the same organisation had just been enough for me. And uh, and I really wanted to uh, kind of get out of uh, that sort of institutional framework and, and get to uh, experiment with different modes of work, different styles of work, different types of clients, different problems. Um, so I, I, I took the very active decision then, uh, and I freelanced for a year and, 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 and had a really good time and, and was sort of pleasantly surprised how it works. And, and, and I was in this very fortunate position where Hootsuite headhunted me from being freelance. Um, I I worked with them as a client previously when I was at WWF, and, and they sort of approached me and said, here's this role, would you be interested? Um, so I, I went back into permanent work to do that for a couple of years. So the nature of the beast, that sort of high-growth, um, organization meant that there was always that sort of slight kind of nagging at the back of my head it's like I'm you know there's always the chance I'm going to get made redundant through organizational shifts or or, or, or kind of you know a, a, a change in uh, leadership or, or anything like that and, and and there was quite a high turnover from restructuring over the two years I was there so I was kind of mentally in that space where I thought well if it does happen then my very first step is to kind of put myself back into the freelance market. Um, the, the, the kind of the background to that is is I've actually been made redundant twice before uh, before the one at Hootsuite, um, and the, uh, the the last big time was the early two thousands, and uh, I really wasn't expecting it. And the market for digital people wasn't great at that time, uh, so I was actually out of work for eight months, and and I really suffered from. Um, some mental health issues then because 
Um, I, I couldn't find the kind of work I wanted to do. Uh, I'd been looking for a permanent role. I'd interviewed in a lot of places. I'd got very close a couple of times. Um, but it took, it was one of those things where looking back in hindsight, I realized that some of my behaviors and some of my, my issues that I had were down to that sort of um, low level depression from that lack of meaningful work. So this time around, it was very much, okay, I, I, know, what, I know what the route is. I know if I get to that stage, uh, I will just go into freelancing and the market fairly buoyant. I'm fairly confident of my network and, and what my offering is. So um, very luckily, like the, the day that I announced on social that I was uh, kind of going, I'd, I'd left Hootsuite and I was uh, kind of what I was looking for. I had a couple of people approach me privately and say, oh, we've got this problem. Would you be able to come and help us? And they were both sort of short term freelance opportunities rather than we're recruiting for this role would you come and interview for it um, so I, I got back into doing work within a couple of weeks of getting made redundant which was just such a kind of a validation of actually that was the right approach how important do you think that that network of people and connections was then in order to start freelancing it's been absolutely fundamental I, I couldn't have had any of the experience I've had over the last four years with it um, I think I used to work with a, a chap called Coco Sexton at Hootsuite and he, I don't know if he coined it, but he always used to talk about, you know, visibility creates opportunity. And if you are uh, sort of visible to your network, if you've got a sort of a, a rich net, diverse network of, of people that you're connected to, even if it's only in a fairly lightweight way, um, you know, having your kind of personal brand, which sounds like a very um, <laughs> slightly uh, mealy mouth way of talking about it, um, strong enough that that will then create those opportunities. I'm, I'm interested in um, going back to what you said about that period of eight months where you weren't working and, and hindsight has given you the ability to see some of the behaviours or the symptoms of you falling into a low mood related to not working or, or having some meaningful work, as you said. Um, looking back now, what are the behaviours that you saw that you recognise as mild depression or, or kind of low mental health? Mm, yeah, so, I mean, the number one was that my relationship with my uh, wife at that point was one of the first things that was an indicator that something wasn't quite right. You know, we'd actually only got married fairly uh, fairly recently. We just got married, just bought a house, then got made redundant. Yay! <laughs> So, uh, not surprisingly, you know, uh, an unhappy uh, situation at, but through lack of work led to sort of quite a lot of tension. Um, you know, I was becoming a, a lot more almost sort of hermit-like. I wasn't go leaving the house very much. My wife, who said, you know, I'm not sure you're terribly happy at the moment. And, you know, that, that was actually one of the, the catalysts to then getting just even some parts. I work in a, in a furniture shop just to have something as a... A focus and something's getting me out of the house. Did you recognise those symptoms for yourself, but weren't dealing with them? Or no, I didn't at the time. I, I didn't recognise them at all. It was it was only when there was some degree of external commentary. After my wife had said it, a couple of the people in my sort of close group of friends had sort of pointed out after I'd started talking that that she'd said that. They sort of said, "Oh yeah, no, we we kind of realised something wasn't quite right." No one bloody said anything though. It comes to the the theme of all of our conversations really and the, the first questions which I'm, I'm intending to ask to everyone but we jump straight into the conversation but, but this idea of asking somebody how are you um, and I, I can't remember where this research is from I probably should 
attribute it fairly, but something like, you know, we're, we're asked that or we're asked that 15, 20 times a day, but only minute once, um, especially in a professional setting. Do you think we don't necessarily have the, the language or the tools to, to ask that question effectively, especially as freelancers, where, as you say, that trust is critical. But if you're building multiple short-term relationships rather than, you know, spending three months, six months, you know, a couple of years as, as you do in a traditional role, there isn't necessarily the chance to, to build that trust and that openness with your colleagues. No, not with client colleagues. If someone's not been a freelancer, I'm not sure they always get it. I mean, just little things like, yeah, there's a mental health thing, which is really critical. But then there's also things like 28-day you know, payment terms. <laughs> As a freelancer, that's a nightmare. Um, you know, if, if, if you're kind of thinking of the people that you're working with as human beings, not as uh, suppliers who have been procured through a, an automated, you know, objective process, um, I think that's going to unlock a lot of that ability to deal with the human issues and, and see people as partners rather than, you know, a resource unit. I've been pretty lucky. I mean, certainly I've heard some nightmare stories from other freelancers, but I've certainly come across a couple of things that have made me sort of bump and go, oh, actually, you know what? <sighs> could, we, could we maybe just think in, in, in a slightly more human sense here, please? I'm not going to say it was real, obviously, or, or when it was, because that's also a bit of a giveaway. Um, but in one of my freelance periods, I've been working really quite sort of closely with a client um, and, and had some really great sort of deep conversations to work through some of the, the work issues they were having. And that was part of my role. And, and we'd work through them together and, you know, I'd put some um, strategies in place or literally wrote some of their strategies to help solve some of those organizational issues. Um and, and then the, the kind of the relationship came to an end, but without any closure. So I had a conversation with them, which sort of resolved that issue. Um, and, and they'd put someone else in place who was doing something permanently, which was also part of my role. Um, and then that was it. My invoice got paid and, and there was no kind of wrap up summary. Thank you. Anything like that. It was very much a... Oh, yeah, that, 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 I guess that job's finished now. Um, and, and maybe if I'd had a bit more confidence, I would have kind of gone back to them and said, you know, should we just have a little bit of a kind of wrap up or a postmortem or whatever and, and actually sort of feel like there was a line drawn under it. But um, for them, I think that was a, a sense of, you know, Adrian's in to solve that problem and that problem was solved and Adrian's, you know, not necessary anymore. Is that um, the, the kind of, uh, expectation that clients have as well in, in oh, they are here to do a job and they're not necessarily here to hang around because they're not into that or interested in that therefore they are a little bit kind of they don't necessarily care about where it went afterwards otherwise they'd be staying for a longer period of time yeah maybe and there's definitely definitely a, a sort of a double-edged sword to that so the, I guess the flip side of that be you know being maybe seen as disposable is that I don't tend to get involved in those really annoying office politics. As a freelancer, you're 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 a, a, a much um, sort of more focused uh, worker. I think you you, you have a, a challenge that you're there to solve, and it's the the client who is the person who's integrating your solution to that problem with the organisational dynamics. I have read multiple times the work from Google a couple of years ago called Project Aristotle, which. It's this idea that there are five things which go into 
creating a high-performing team, the most important of which is this concept of psychological safety, which fundamentally means you you should feel be able to feel like you don't have the answer and you can say I don't know or you can throw something out there without being ridiculed or or challenged um, but that dynamic which you've just described there at being a freelancer and going into an organization to solve a problem have, having to have the answer um, removes that opportunity to have that psychological say you can't not have the answer um, because that's literally why you're there and what you're being paid to do do you do you feel that that it creates a, a tension for you where if you don't know what the answer is and, and you can't just give it to them on a piece of paper and, and get it running, does that cause uh, an anxiety for you when you first step into a new project? Um, I don't think it does. Certainly, I've not come across a situation where anyone will begrudge me going, I'm going to do some, I'm going to look into that for you. I, you know, I've, I've maybe got a little bit of experience that is sort of answers that short term question or shows you that I'm thinking in a certain direction, but actually, I'm going to go away and, and kind of think about this and research it and come back with something more considered um, and I've definitely done that more than a few times with a, a couple of um, a couple of clients over the years so we talked about a couple of the low points what have been the most rewarding um, aspects of working in this way for you um, so the the bit I've really loved and I, I think I've appreciated it more this time around is uh, that degree of autonomy. Uh, I, I really like being able to choose when and where I work um, with, 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 with a few constraints. I think, uh, you know, that one of my clients, I, I, I definitely make a, a point of being in their office at least half a day a week out of the, the two days that I work from them in a week. Um, so, you know, it gives me the opportunity to, to do other stuff that I think makes me a more rounded human without feeling like that has to eat into to kind of family time. Um, I had a conversation with someone a couple of years ago uh, and they said, you know, what would, if you didn't have to work for a living, what would you do? What would you do with your time? You know, let's say, you know, your, your costs are paid. Um, you've got however many years of life sort of left in front of you. You're not just going to sit around watching Netflix or, 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 or sit in coffee shops. And I was thinking back to, you know, maybe like 15, 16 years ago, I used to be a, a part-time wedding photographer um, so I did that as a Saturday job alongside a, a fairly senior role in an agency because it scratched that creative itch. Uh, and, and part of that I used to really used to love was the more sort of portrait style photography. And I really loved taking portraits. Um, and after I stopped being a wedding photographer, it, it, I kind of really stopped. I sold all my gear and whatever. And when this person asked me the question, I was like, I, you know, I really enjoy taking portraits. Um, and then there's that sort of beat. And then it's like, hold on there is literally nothing about my life that means that I can't do portrait photography um, around a day job <laughs> so you know I, I mean luckily the technology's moved on and, and the equipment to take you know fairly decent portraits is is very very cheap so um, uh, you know I've, I've got a few bits I've got a few bits for my birthday and, and, and you know I've been able to explore that a little bit alongside you know in inverted commas my proper job uh, and, and then I had this lovely moment a couple of weeks ago where I was, one of my uh, clients, um, we were doing their, it's a startup, and we were doing their first website. Um, so I was like, oh, we'll need some uh, headshots for the website of the, the management team. I can do that. <laughs> so, you know, I actually got to, uh, to, to integrate those two, two, two aspects and, and, and get paid to do some sort of nice professional looking portraits. It's interesting that there's been a couple of things there where there's been an external trigger, somebody asking you or, or prodding you and saying, hey, you're, you, know, you don't seem to be behaving how you 
traditionally do or what are the things that you would be doing if you had unlimited funds or that external trigger is that quite important for you is that because you're not um sitting down and giving yourself the time to reflect there or is that just the way that your brain ticks in a very meta sense i've not really thought about that until you just said it so i needed your external question to to make you consider that point but yeah it certainly seems like it doesn't it it's like the therapist's couch well exactly yeah i mean i I i've i've had a number of um projects over the last 10 years i think where unprompted people have said that was a bit like therapy i feel amazing now I've, i've kind of uncovered a number of uh, observations about myself that I didn't didn't realise, but therapy in a work context doesn't necessarily seem to sit naturally together. And when you're freelancing, potentially, as you touched on before, you know the trust and the relationships that you have where you can be a little bit more open are, are missing. Do you do you think that is a, a challenge in the freelance existence that you don't necessarily have those um, professional? friendships and relationships you know the concept of like a work wife or a work husband that that are really beneficial in a in a full-time perm style job actually one thing i found leapers to be really useful for there's almost like a a sort of a slightly lighter weight you know uh, an ability to be open i've got this problem whether it's you know the nuts and bolts of freelancing like a contract or day rates or whatever or i'm feeling really underloved at this client or there's this issue that's kind of uh, tweaking me emotionally and there is quite a good support community there to, to deal with that and I've, I've certainly had a couple of those conversations but I've also found uh, working with a couple of people that I've met through the community almost it's it's almost like a sort of a ready-made um, relationship where you have that community in common such that when you work together you feel able to be a little bit more open than you would necessarily social platforms uh, you know whether it's leapers or whether it's um a couple of private groups i'm on create those um those weak bonds that means that it's easy to kind of operate in a freelance thing there is much a lower level of isolation i'm interested in the fluidity between uh, a job and and freelancing i mean and especially the most recently, kind of you said that freelancing was a very kind of straightforward choice for you, um, but it, it, but it doesn't necessarily feel like they're considerably different work modes. It's right here is a, an opportunity that I can put my talents to, and it's the right model at the moment. And if a job came along tomorrow that was really exciting to you, that you'd be open to that as well, rather than say I am a freelancer now. Is that the way that work is going to be going, rather than this kind of binary state of I'm a freelancer or I'm a? Do you think Do you think that's the way that work is headed? Yeah, I, I think it won't be. Uh, it, it won't be black and white. It's not. You know, we we certainly had a, a past where it was. You know, the whole job for life thing, and and we've moved to a uh, kind of a culture where you know that job for life has dwindled, and you know you get people that are in the role for two years up to you know. 10, 20, whatever, um, uh, I think there will always be a degree of people who are only comfortable on staff. But I think the proportion of people that work, you know, maybe like me, like uh, other people in the community who are either going through uh, short-term gigs, whether it's kind of, you know, that more uh, agency style working with multiple clients at one time, maybe like a three, six-month engagement, uh, maybe project-based, that being kind of 
part of a palette of employment alongside, you know, working six months for an organization full time or maybe going in house uh, for, for a, a, you know, a, a year or whatever. Um, then alongside some of those more uh, passion based things, you know, if you can, if you can have, you know, what what's previously called a side hustle actually becomes a bit less side and a bit more, oh, that's my fifth day of the, the five day week or whatever, or even the, the sixth day of the six day week. Um, that, that starts to make life really interesting. You know, the ability to, to feel like uh, personal interests and the stuff that pays your bills aren't quite as uh, separated as they, they have been. I was, um, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, working um, on a Sunday a couple of weeks ago. And I was posting on, on Slack and just saying, oh, I'm, I'm doing some work today. And then realized, you know, the, the, even the definition of work is a little bit gray now. In the, you know, I wasn't getting paid to do this thing. It was it was um, something for a Leapers project. And you know, where does it become work or personal passion? Where like the, there seems to be just this blurring, really, of things that we want to do, um, and and not. Uh, you know, if if you were to look at a football coach going down to, you know, look after a Sunday park league or something, you know, kids on the on the weekend, you know, is that work? Yeah, that's very true. So, uh, quite an interesting example of that. Uh, I've been sort of taught, you know, uh, a member of this uh, um, cycling group uh, for sort of executives. Uh, it's a commercial organisation. They, they were planning another event, which happened to be not far from where I live, and uh, uh, they they didn't know the road. So I was like, oh, do you want me to d- design a, a route for for the ride? And they paid me for it. I've, I got paid, you know, not very much money, but I still got paid. Um, for a little bit of time to to actually go out and plan a route and then ride around it, and I'm getting paid to cycle. It's like that's 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 something I couldn't have done when I was in employment because I was I was going out on a on a weekday morning uh, to to kind of test out the route that I designed, uh, and then and then on the the Saturday when the event was, you know, I was driving behind uh, behind the cycling group with spare parts in the car, whatever, to support them. Um, uh, so yeah, it was a, a complete example of that blurring the boundaries of you know it wasn't at my my sort of headline day rate. It wasn't at, uh, during the week. Some of it was, some of it wasn't, um, uh, and it was it was nothing to do with uh, you know digital consultancy. It was around um, you know my hobby, my passion. Um, yet it, it it paid some of the bills, which was lovely. I'm really keen to hear what advice if somebody came to you and said, Adrian, I am considering changing the way that I work. Freelancing looks like a good option for me. Uh, I know you've done it a couple of times and you're doing it uh, what looks like really successfully. What are the three things that I need to consider before I make that change? I think two of them would be financial. I think uh, as much as um, you know, the market's fairly buoyant, uh, and and people uh, people that would be paying for freelancers are generally quite open to to kind of people working flexibly. I think firstly, having a, an ability to control your outgoings. I I, I left Hootsuite in May, um, and uh, for the last four months, you know, I've been working somewhere between two and four days a week probably closer to the two than the four. Um, and that's been kind of paying the bills and, and, and kind of meaning that, you know, it's all good. Um, but at the same time, because I'd been able to kind of cut my expenses down, it wasn't an issue. I wasn't overcommitted. It didn't, it, it meant that my stress level was a lot lower. Uh, the second one, which is also financial, is, is about having that kind of buffer. I mean, they generally say, uh, you know, having three months of living costs 
saved up uh, or whatever that number needs to be for you so that you feel like you know if it does take you a little while to get that first not just win the first contract but win the contract do the work uh, submit the invoice and then get paid that can take quite a long time and then I think the third one is something that we've talked about quite a lot is that support network you know who are you going to who, who can you talk to who, who are the people that you can tell your worries to who can give you perspective on the challenges you might be facing you know whether that's a personal one or a work one you know I, I have a group of people that I can say you know I'm working with this client I'm gonna this is what I'm thinking is the proposed solution to it um you know am i on the right tracks because my imposter syndrome is strong and i just need someone else to go actually no that's 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 right that's great you know maybe you could try twisting it this way um but equally you know as we've talked about someone who can provide that uh sort of pastoral support and go look mate are you all right are you are, you know do, do you want to go out for a beer and have a chat over uh, kind of away from the worries of the day to Adrian for being open and sharing his experience and wisdom. Every week, we'll be talking to a member of the Leapers community about their experience of modern work and mental health. If you'd like to be part of a support network for people who work differently, or feel like you benefit from conversation and connection with others in similar situations, or just fancy a chat with other freelancers, the Leapers community is open to you. No matter if you've been self-employed for decades or only just starting to think about changing how you work, if you're happy to talk openly about your mental health and honestly about how working for yourself isn't always easy, we'd like to hear from you. If you've any comments about this week's conversation, are looking for resources on mental health for the self-employed or would just like to be part of an open and free community for modern workers, join us at www.leapers.co or search for Leapers Community. This week's podcast was brought to you by three very large cups of coffee. I'm Matthew Knight, and until next time, work well. Work well.